Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network for the biggest anniversary outside of Anniversary Month. Well, no, let's correct that. The biggest anniversary in the middle of Anniversary Month. The real one. The 19th anniversary of Tommy Wiseau's The Room. And who would have thought that we did an episode on Bad Movie Month and we would now be going on our fourth anniversary, revisiting this movie every single year because it is that spectacular with high doggies and uh, high marks and lots of football. And for the first time, we're not actually going to be talking specifically about the movie The Room, or I guess we kind of will because we're here to talk about The Disaster Artist the movie based on Greg Sestero's book, directed by, produced by, written by, and I'm sure some people sexually molested by James Franco during production. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Did you get our legal team to confirm you could say that? (laughs) Uh, I'm sure we're not the only ones who accuse him this week. Uh, uh, Stop touching me, James. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is the biopic of Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero or, or the, the making of the making of the movie, uh, the disaster artist. And, uh, this will be so exciting cause it's, uh, something new to talk about. And Ben gets to talk about Megan Mullally and Bob <laughs> Odenkirk and maybe another breaking bad person. Uh, my name is Colin with a capital go away. And my name is Ben and Stella. Stella, 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 Stella. Don't ever leave me, baby. <laughs> I wanted to keep going, but, you know, we want to keep it under an hour. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> we have about an hour. You got 50 more minutes. Keep going. Uh- Stella. <laughs> uh, I think this was one of the first things we talked about. When we said, we're going to come back and do an episode on The Room every single year uh, for the last four years. I guess this will be the fifth episode we've done. Uh, and uh, I think right after the commentary, we're like, oh, we got to do The Disaster Artist. And then we did a couple of years of ranking our favorite moments, ranking uh, our favorite characters. Uh, now we've finally gotten to The Disaster Artist. And I think the only time I saw this movie was after I saw The Room the first time. So four years ago. And I remembered very little about it other than that it seemed to match up with all the stories that we heard about the making of the movie and uh, even some of our theories about making the movie. Uh, what I don't remember is whether we actually saw this before we recapped the room the first time. Cause uh, I, I found several things in this movie is like, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on day one and now here's confirmation, but uh, uh, this movie's a blast and uh, it is so true to <laughs> the room Uh, without being, I think, overly insulting to the room, which is fantastic. And we have about a million cameos to talk about, which is almost as exciting as uh, James Franco got during the making of this movie and Offset and in the classroom and wherever else. (laughs) Uh, Well, first of all, happy anniversary, Colin. Happy anniversary to all our listeners. Uh, Four years ago. Happy anniversary, Rocky. Yeah, and Rocky. Glad you joined us for the four years. Rocky. Yeah. (laughs) Why the mystery? Since I've met him, I haven't heard from him. Did he die? Like he just blew up from excitement from meeting me. Um, great day every year. Our one tradition I feel we've actually always kept up on is this. Um, yeah, I remember watching this. I think I watched it directly after I'd watched The Room because I think I was still living in Brisbane at the time, and I pretty much watched them back to back. And I can't remember if I fell asleep during this or The Room, and then I had to wake up the next morning to. 
watch. I think it was this. I fell asleep, but yeah, I haven't watched it since. And I remember enjoying it. And yeah, it's it's thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable. I think. I mean, probably can't say this anymore in 2022, but James Franco is fantastic in this movie. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a blast. I, I I think we need to have more films. I I can't wait for the Disaster Artist two, the making of the Kill Phil franchise. That's going to be great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun to kind of see sort of a behind the scenes look at this and I kind of want to read the book now. Um, I was reading a bit on sort of the, the truth and the fiction of this and some of the things that happened and didn't really happen, but I mean, it's a movie that they're going to stretch the truth of certain things, but yeah, it's, it's a good film. It's a good film, Colin. Are we going to, this time next year, are we ranking our favorite characters of the disaster artists? Because right now, (laughs) Megan Mullally, number one. (laughs) Brian Cranston, number two. Number three, behind Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> He's a flavour of the month at the moment. A couple of weeks away from the end of his show. All right, Brian had his time. Okay. Uh, I, I think what's uh, what's interesting about this movie is that um, <laughs> it, it is a love letter and an insult at the same time. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure it took moments for Tommy Wiseau to realise this was going to be his career after the premiere of The Room. I'm, I'm curious about some of those what's real and what isn't. Cause I, I didn't look up too much, but I kind of have my theories throughout this. Uh, we're going to do this a little bit differently. We're not going to do a full recap, start to finish the way that we normally do. Um, and this will probably be closer to what we do for reviews, except we are going to be talking about spoilers. So uh, let's get it out of the way right now. Tommy Wiseau they has make got a, a big movie. dong. <laughs> <laughs> they make a movie and they cut out his dong, sadly. <laughs> but uh, uh, I just to start, I kind of want to talk about the, the pre-room stuff, the, the meeting of Tommy and Greg, uh, which is really like, I would say probably the first 40, 45 minutes of this movie. Like it's, it's a bigger chunk than I remember. I thought more of this being about the making of the movie, but uh, it probably was a smart idea to not do that because uh, so many of the other stories once you start making the movie is what people know. But um, I, I don't know the true story, but I, I find it hilarious in this movie, again, that you have, uh, Greg, played by Dave Franco. I didn't realize that Greg and uh, Tommy looked so much alike, but uh, hmm. apparently in their youthful years, they did. And uh, they're meeting in, I guess, an acting class with the, the Stella and everything. Uh, and Greg being the worst actor in the room, uh, looking up to and idolizing Tommy, just not, not even necessarily. I, I, I don't know whether the ideas that his character is supposed to think, this guy is great, or if his character is supposed to think, I am so shy. I'm so timid. I uh, have no balls when acting. This guy's got balls. And I, I kind of read it more as that he just think this guy's fearless. I want to be fearless. I don't necessarily want to be as crazy and out there as him, but I kind of want to be fearless. So, I mean, I, I kind of, I, I love that they introduced this meeting, whether it's true or not, because it shows why somebody like Greg would have been drawn to Tommy just so that you can have a little bit of guts and you can have some initiative and you can not care so much about what people think of you. I just want to quickly ask, is there a thing with Hollywood brothers now and one of them's like a hated and cancelled and the other one's fine? Like Casey Affleck, cancelled. Ben Affleck, fine. Uh, yeah. You know, Dave Franco, fine. James Franco, <laughs> cancelled. Um, who, I mean, how many, I mean, uh, Alec Baldwin, cancelled. Uh, yeah. Billy Baldwin, don't know, what's he up to? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> name hasn't been mentioned since like 1994. So, I mean, I'm just trying to work out these these brothers and that in Hollywood, you know, cancelled. And at least at least Alec just killed someone. He didn't touch anyone inappropriately. So, <laughs> that's fine. But uh, I'm just trying to work out, you know, the, the brother disparate, disparity, disparity, is that a word, in uh, Hollywood at the moment. Um, apparently, so this uh, website, on uh, uh, Slate.com, has an article, what's fact and what's fiction in The Disaster Artist? And apparently this meeting is pretty much accurate to what uh, Greg wrote in the book, except that Tommy was wearing a, a different outfit. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun just seeing them meet and, you know, establish this relationship because there, there are parts in this where you, I don't know if you're meant to kind of believe that, like, Tommy's in love with Greg. Like, I I don't know. Like, it's a mystery of his character, but, you know, he obviously gets quite possessive of him and everything along those lines with with what we see in the film. But it's... I like this relationship between the two of them. You know, them in the diner reading the book. Uh, I mean, that's just a Hollywood. That's San Francisco. I guess it's a Californian thing. Everybody just reads books like that and and auditions for roles in diners, essentially. But it's fun. And I, I love the way you get introduced to... Tommy, you know, sort of the back shot of him and then the Stella, Stella. 
Um, and I mean, I just I kept thinking about watching it this time, like. Who else but James Franco could have played this? I don't even think Meryl Streep. No, Meryl Streep could have played this. Of course she could have. But, I mean, who else besides Meryl Streep and James Franco could have played Tommy Wiseau? Like, I'm trying to think. Tom Cruise couldn't even do this. I I have faith in Tom Cruise, but I don't think Tom Cruise could play this. Uh, Tommy Wiseau could have. Uh, he probably tried. <laughs> what, Tommy Wiseau could have played Tom Cruise or Tommy Wiseau could have played Tommy Wiseau? Oh, I know he could have done both. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau <laughs> jumping on couches would have been fantastic. Tommy Wiseau, thanking you for coming back Tommy to the Wiseau movies running. would have been fantastic. Hi, I'm Tommy Wiseau. I want to Hi, thank I'm you. Tommy Wiseau. People- <laughs> like my movie. Lots of people make it, including me. Okay, bye, doggy. Uh, but uh, with with Greg, obviously, like, there's the age difference. I don't know what Greg's age was, but that becomes a common thing in this movie, too. Like, this running joke where... Uh, it's like, how old, how old are you? Oh, I'm the same age as Greg, (laughs) but he never identifies that what his age is just this weird guy does it. And he, uh, Tommy also being secretive, like they find a way to fit in some of the weirdest things about Tommy again, whether it happened in real life or not, uh, like, where is he from? And you know, why, uh, uh, does he never talk about his background? Like he even says right at the beginning here. Anybody ask question about me? You you don't answer. I don't Arnie. know what what's I got. Arnie, uh, do <laughs> not answer asking? the questions. <laughs> I am from New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like they they fit little things like that in the movie without it, it just immediately being like weird. Like why is nobody asking this question? Uh, we got to talk about some of the early cameos there. Uh, <laughs> I sent you the picture as soon as I saw Megan Mullally as Greg's uh, mom, uh, uh. And, and like. It, it's a cameo, but it, it's it's actually a hilarious cameo. The way that she interacts with Tommy, the same thing is like, wow, this is a interesting car. And hey, how old are you? I'm, I'm the same age as Greg. Really, you're 21 years old. Interesting. <laughs> uh, and then we got Bob Odenkirk, the the douchey uh, theater director, too. Um, and, and really, the storyline is just that after these two guys meet uh, in their acting workshop, you know. Uh, Tommy hasn't revealed any information about himself. He just basically says, uh, let's just go to Hollywood. Let's uh, let's go. Let's go be successful. I can't do his accent now. I have an <laughs> oh, apartment oh. in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they go off and they start auditioning and getting their headshots done. And of course, Tommy's are as bizarre as you can. He's going to be shirtless in half of them. And uh, <laughs> Greg uh, auditioning and stuff like that. And uh, that's where the Bob Odenkirk cameo comes in. Eventually, they're just going to decide. It's like, let's just make our own movie, Greg. <laughs> it will be fun. Uh, we also have to mention the, the football, which to me, that was probably the biggest laugh I got in this movie was them playing football. So you uh, you like football, huh? Yeah, football, great game. And then he kicks the ball. He goes, it's a touchdown. Yay. <laughs> which is like, this is the way my kids play sports. Like they're, I, I, just yesterday, Casper has like a little basketball net thing. And uh, he was watching Charlie Brown play football and he goes you want to play football and i'm like i don't know where our football is i think it's in the basement somewhere it's like i'm gonna get football and he goes upstairs and he hauls down his basketball net <laughs> and his wow. basketball and it's like let's play football <laughs> just starts throwing he it in sports <laughs> ball <laughs> well and remy is the same way any sport is hockey uh, I had the Commonwealth Games on, and netball was on, and then rugby was on, and both times like hockey, hockey. I'm like, no, yeah, but it's he eats his own shit. That kid's got problems. He does. Yes. <laughs> Casper's got no excuse for his yeah, uh, ignorance. Exactly. <laughs> but like Tommy, like again, truth or fiction, who knows? But we know it has to be addressed. This is the idea of football in the room. It's got to come from somewhere. Tommy just has no idea what football is, so he kicks it. It's a touchdown. <laughs> I just love all this early stuff. And I I almost, in a weird way, wish that – I'm not saying we needed a two-part movie, The Room Part 1, Infinity War, and The Room Part 2, Endgame. But <laughs> the Room if, Cinematic if, Universe. <laughs> but if we had just had, like, a movie of just the early – Tommy and Greg, the early years, like, to me, that's some of the most fun stuff in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, you said it before, like, it goes to, like, I think it's, like, 30 minutes, maybe, 30, 45 minutes or whatever, like, just the opening of the movie. You don't realise how long it is, sort of, the meeting of it all. But um, it kind of works because, I mean, at the end of the day, sure, this movie's a whole about the making of the room. It's really about the bromance between Greg and Tommy. So I, I kind of like that. Can I just point out Megan Mullally? I mean, look, you <laughs> see her basically just in comedic roles all the time. She's actually a pretty good dramatic actress here. Like, I mean, mm. she, you know, n- not trying to be overly funny but she's somewhat decent so 
Just saying, she's got the chops there. She could be female Walter White if they ever want to do, like, the female reboot of Breaking Bad. Um, but I also, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Why Him? Um, which, no. So it's it's good. It's it's funny. That's James like, Franco that, too, right? Yeah, so I think it's funny. So James Franco is, like, the dating the daughter of Brian Cranston and Megan Mullally. They're, like, married in the movie. And then it's kind of like a, a movie about Brian Cranston fighting with James Franco because he's like, why the hell are you dating my daughter? Because he's just an eccentric, like, I think he's like a tech millionaire who does nothing or something like that. So um, I kind of think it's funny that you've got Megan Mullally and then you've got Brian Cranston in it and James Franco. So it's like, why him too? The weird sequel to it. Um, but I love the the montage of them just trying it out in Hollywood and uh, when you got Tommy's character, like, going up to the Hollywood producer... <laughs> Um, is that meant to be anyone in particular? Like, is that, do you think? Like, is that meant to be a ripoff of Harvey Weinstein uh, or know. someone? Or, well, it's not Brian Harvey Weinstein. Grazer. He's got his clothes on. Um, yeah, we had we had a J.J. Abrams cameo in the uh, the opening with all those yeah. uh, Hollywood celebrities in the beginning. So maybe it's meant to be J.J. Abrams. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I like it. And it's kind of like when they go to make their own movie. Uh, and I love the they just go and buy their own equipment because you just again that's the three things is like you don't know his age you don't know his accent from and you don't know where he gets his money from, um, which I'm just gonna say it is New Orleans because like I mean I've never been to New Orleans but I'm sure if you went to New Orleans you'd hear everyone go like hello welcome to New Orleans <laughs> would you like to go to see the the movie <laughs> that the accent is based off from <laughs> we have the Mardi Gras <laughs> yeah I mean in Live and Let Die that's what they all sounded like wasn't it. Like, <laughs> I'm J.W. Pepper. <laughs> Damn, you're ugly. <laughs> That's a goonie bird. Um, one thing i got to point out, though, uh, Kylie Minogue, great uh, montage track in the background when they're uh, getting all the uh, actors ready to go for the room. So it's a Ben movie. You've got Bob Odenkirk. You've got Megan Mullally. You've got Brian Cranston. You've got Kylie Minogue. Tick all the boxes. All right? Just, I need to be molested by James Franco, and it's a bingo. <laughs> Uh, when they actually start making the movie, so transition that just <laughs> before they even start filming, uh, you mentioned like the auditioning, the actors and everything. And when they go to rent the equipment again, one of the funniest scenes of this movie where it's like, all right, so you guys are making a movie. Okay. So are you going to be shooting on 35 millimeter? Are you going to do, we're doing both. I'm like, really? Cause that's like not possible. I mean, you're going to buy twice. Much. We we're doing new way of making movies. Schwarzenegger again, but uh, uh, <laughs> Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the only accent I can do. K, K mean Colin, do it in, in Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, Stella, Stella. <laughs> you're tearing me apart, apart, Lisa. Oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> but uh, there's a couple other, these are cameos I would get excited about. I don't even know if you might recognize them, but uh, as people are like, hey, I saw them in something, but um, there's three actors in this movie who uh, host Only three. Uh, a podcast wow. that, uh, well, a podcast that's the good version of the Oz Network. I've mentioned before, probably my favorite podcast is called How Did This Get Made? Where yeah, it gets uh, more just... fucking advertising on this show than our actual show. <laughs> They're probably does. getting Patreons <laughs> off your fucking advertising. All right. Just stop advertising their show. Talk about our show. All right. Well, we made $60 last I... year, Colin. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm sure that they will pitch in for that. If, if, if anybody out there from How Did This Get Made is listening, uh, sign up for our Patreon for one month. You will get an autographed picture of Tom Wiseau signed by Ben Waterworth. That they're is gonna the do deal. A show, they're going to do a show on the Oz Network. Like, how the fuck did the Oz Network get made? They, Weren't they cancelled? They have to. I mean, <laughs> but, but basically what they do is like the same thing we do. They'll run through a movie mostly making fun of it, uh, but they'll do it in front of a live audience. They sell out like theaters and stuff. They have but listeners. All, <laughs> they have listeners. And they're funny. All, <laughs> <laughs> All three are actual actors, um, but uh, well, Paul Shear. I'm an actor. The you saw Kill Bill One and Two. Excuse me. <laughs> Haven't seen your Batman film yet, but I mean, hello. <laughs> but uh, the guy who plays the director of photography, Paul Shear, he's one of the hosts. Uh, Jason Manzukis, who plays uh, one of the guys selling the equipment to them, he's one of the hosts. And then the the actress that plays Michelle in this movie June Diane Raphael she is the other host so all three hosts of how did this get made around here so I have to imagine they did an episode on the room once upon a time I mean they're all actors as well they're actors who just have their own podcast but uh, yeah it was cool for me to see them in here uh, I'm sure if they did an episode of the room I'm gonna have to pay for it because you have to pay for good content for how did this get made um, but uh, you have to pay uh, for good the- content that's why this is free. <laughs> But with uh, the, the early days of making the movie, like the first day I said, a couple of things I noticed. One that's not even clear, a lot of the 
things about the room, like the football scene, you know, that those are pointed out in the movie. Like we're going to directly reference this. So people are like, Hey, look, it's, it's the reference to the football scene and uh, the, the Chris R scene, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, one thing that was done so subtly is, there's a scene before they start making the movie with Greg and Tommy on a roof talking. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is literally the roof mm. that the other scenes take place on, which of course gets referenced in the movie. It's like, like, so why are you putting a blue screen on here? And then the alley, we have the same alley out there. Uh, they mentioned that about the alley scene. It's like, this literally looks just like the alley outside. No, we are making real movie. We, we could do it with the set. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious that they, they duplicated the roof. Cause I, if that's true, I would love it that we had a location that looked exactly like this. But we still did it with green screen or whatever. Uh, but like the alley scene, a couple other little cameos here. I mean, uh, I, I, I wouldn't call it so much a cameo, because it's a couple scenes in the movie, but Josh Hutcherson, who's of course from the Hunger Games movies, playing um, uh, Denny, and then oh, uh, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize until the credits, Chris R or the guy playing Zac Chris Efron. R is Zach Efron. Like, I, how did you I, not recognize that beautiful face, Colin Hilding? That's a man right there. <laughs> I had no idea until it got uh, later in the movie, but uh, yeah, Zach Efron, you're playing Chris R. And I have a lovely, where even Tommy is like caught off guard by him. Like Tommy's like, this guy's a monster. <laughs> He's really crazy. Uh, and then Denny, another thing, it's like, uh, so how old is my character supposed to be? Same, <laughs> Same age as you, 15, 15, 16. It's like, I'm 26. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that I thought was really funny with this movie is like you would think if you have a movie with Tommy Wiseau in it, uh, somebody playing Tommy Wiseau, that uh, you're going to go over the top. You're going to. I actually think that James Franco is maybe going subtle with Tommy Wiseau in this movie because I feel like everybody in this movie is playing an exaggerated. Like it's almost like everybody in this movie is in a parody, and James Franco is like, I'm going to play Tommy Wiseau so straight mm-hmm. that like he is not necessarily that crazy. Now he is hands down the craziest person in this movie, but it, it's it's a very straight performance for him in that he's not going out for laughs. He's not doing a Chris R and being overly monstrous. You know, he's he's not uh, being extra crazy in this movie, but he's, he's just being Tommy Wiseau almost in a reverential way, if that makes sense. So he is the most crazy person in this movie, but James Franco is not exaggerating him any more than he is in reality. I just um, think that that's probably how it, works like i mean that's the point because he's just such a mystery tommy why so yeah. that you you play him straight play him silly it's the same thing like i mean yeah exactly it's just, it's just but he just has heart in this same. movie though like there's yeah. some heart to it yeah well i mean but he's a, a heartful man because he is beautiful very. don't know what i'm trying to say i was just quickly <laughs> by the way the producer is played by judd apatow so there you go Oh, and well, and of course, we should mention Seth Rogen, one of the bigger roles in this movie yeah. as the, I don't know, he's supposed to be assistant director, but he basically ends up being director for half the movie. Uh, and and also the... Uh, the and the Jackie Weaver, thing Australia's is, own, is oh, the, the breast yeah. cancer woman. Yep. I was going to ask you about Jackie Weaver, uh, <laughs> breast Great cancer Australian. woman. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, she's mentioning, so this never comes up again in the movie. No, it's a twist. It's like, right, but it never comes up again. Like, uh, I love how they keep pointing that out. Like, Chris, shouldn't his name just be Chris? No, it's Chris R. <laughs> Chris R. <laughs> and then, uh, this is going all the way to the end of the movie, but with Jackie Weaver, where she's saying like, right, but this never comes up again. I loved it, the premiere, where she mentions, I definitely have breast cancer. Then she turns to the guy she's with. Her, that never comes up again. Like, she's still baffled by the fact that it's like, why is this in the movie? Can I just point out, too, just with some of the other cameos. Um, so I, I recognise Melanie Griffith. She's the, the teacher yeah. at the beginning. Sharon Stone is the is the, the um, agent. The agent. I didn't realize. Like I, yeah. when she came in, I'm like, she looks familiar, but she's got like that wig on or the hat or whatever the hell it is. But that's mm-hmm. Sharon Stone. Wow, this has got some big names in it. So yeah, yeah, good job. A lot good of love job. for Tommy Wiseau. James Franco must have touched the right people in Hollywood to get all these people <laughs> involved. Uh, a few other things from the the making of the movie before it starts to go sour, or some of it maybe even after it starts to go sour. Uh, yeah, the breast cancer, <laughs> like you mentioned, uh, the the rainy window. <laughs> yeah. Again, they they just have one of those very expensive windows just as the water running, uh, and then the sex scene. So this is the one where I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think that I watched the Disaster Artist before we covered the room the first time, but that was one of the first things we brought up. Where like. Why does it look like he's having sex with her belly button? And then it's literally a line in this movie. He goes, 
Is he aiming for a belly button? What's he doing? Yeah. It's like, I need you need to go down a little. Like, oh, no, don't worry. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but that's how Colin uh, has sex. So. Uh, it's I, I it was only this movie that taught me was wrong. I'm gonna do it different from now on. <laughs> when you eventually have another child, you mean your third time. <laughs> uh before Tommy starts to turn into the the jerk here, uh one of the, <laughs> the extra scene I wanted to add in here uh is uh of course probably the most famous scene in this movie that I did not, I did not, oh hi Mark scene <laughs> where Tommy can't get his line out over and over again. And just the way this is done, where where he he walks out the door, he goes, "What's my line?" And then everybody, it, you get to a point where Seth Rogen's repeated so many times, where everybody on set in unison is like, "I did not, I did not." Oh hi, Mark! Uh, and then he finally gets it, and then it's just like applause, like, "Yes, yes, we got it, we got it." He has a water uh, bottle. He's like, and I love how he's just like he says to. Uh, Greg, you know, basically like, oh, you should have told me this at the beginning. That's so simple. <laughs> now, I don't remember what scene it was, but there's also uh, the the one where uh, Seth Rogen basically just gives up where uh, he, he I, I don't know. If I think it's a laughing the right scene, thing. isn't it? It's when um, Greg's basically talking about like the woman getting bashed and, and he's like, oh, yeah, funny story, <laughs> funny story yeah. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where it's like, you know what? We're not going to get it better than the system going, okay, great, print. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like th- this whole section of the movie is just having fun at the expense of uh, the room. Like, let's just see these scenes. It's not even giving you any extra insight. It's just let's just see these scenes and have people on set commenting about how weird it is. And I, I like how when they're doing that, because I think like, obviously, yeah, this is about Tommy Wiseau and, and Greg Sestro and it's sort of about their bromance, but I like kind of every now and then you get a bit of an insight from the other actors because it's it's kind of like, going like yeah, this isn't very good, but like, obviously, you got to understand these actors are probably trying to, you know, it's a movie, like whatever, you know, it's like we're podcast hosts, we're trying to make a podcast, we'll make that one day, um, but... Yeah, and I think it's they're sitting around the table and Jackie Weaver's character has that bit where she just says that great line where she's like, oh, you don't understand. Like, you know, the even the worst day of acting is better than any of the best days on mm-hmm. any other job because they're talking to her like, oh, you're old. Like, why aren't you, you know, <laughs> why don't you just give this up? So, yeah, like I kind of like those little insight bits because it, it is like a complete shit show. And like, again, this I think you said at the beginning, like this is what you would expect a movie like this to be like when it's being made. Mm-hmm there's no way that this would have been taken seriously and everybody was into it. Like everybody would have been looking at this guy going like, what the fuck? I mean, even at that scene, like obviously people don't even believe he's rich. Cause you know, when uh, Seth Rogen goes to the, um, the bank to get his cash, the check cashed yeah. and the guy's just like, Oh yeah, he's good for it. This guy's got a lot of money. <laughs> he's like, what, what it cleared? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I kind of like that little bit of it, but it's just, yeah, this is exactly what you would assume this movie is when it was made. <laughs> Uh, the, the bad stuff. So this is where I'm curious about uh, the research you've done uh, on real versus fiction, because it basically gets to the point where Tommy turns into the world's biggest douche, um, starts being completely illogical. I mean, the stuff we've seen so far is illogical, but like nobody's getting hurt. Then we get to the point where there's no heat or there, there's nothing but heat in the studio. And he's like, why have we want to turn on these lights? And it's like, because it's too hot. And it's like, can we get some water here? You go buy the water. That water costs a lot of money. That was, that was great. Where he's like, water costs a lot of money. Meanwhile, he just said it was like, this is, we were about $4 million budget on this movie. Uh, and the big thing, which I guess is going to kind of uh, lead to the, the falling out with um, Greg and Tommy is uh, the meeting with Brian Cranston. Now this one, I, I thought this has to be fiction. Like no casting happens like this. You, you, you walk in, your girlfriend recognizes Brian Cranston uh, and then he says, hey, you got a beard. We're looking for a lumberjack for an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Do you want to come? Sure. Uh, but of course, this is where the infamous scene where Greg Shaves comes in and Tommy, completely logical, refuses to uh, refuses to let him keep the beard for even long enough to do this episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Um, clear up this. This is fact or fiction? Uh, it's fiction, but it's the, the fact is about the beard beard um he didn't want to shave his beard um it was that he basically knew the room was going to be shit and he wanted to keep it as a disguise so he didn't have to uh show his face in public so uh mm. no it's uh <laughs> this is how i found this article i literally was like huh was, was greg in malcolm middle like what was going on he said no this is completely false never really happened and this article also just goes into a bit of detail about the working conditions. Apparently, the um, I did not hear her. I did not 
took uh, three hours and 32 takes to get right. Uh, and apparently there was, um, it says here that Franco omitted from the film uh, the high turnover rate. There were three different crews as various members were fired or quit. I mean, you get a bit of that in there, I guess. It was Seth Rogen um, getting fired, yeah. Yeah, out of frustration with Wiseau's antics. Wiseau has attributed these departures to creative differences, uh, but Sestro describes an almost mutinous atmosphere on set. Um, so obviously he was quite difficult. But yeah, unfortunately, this Brian Cranston scene uh, is fake. Did not happen. I, I want to find out if the episode's real, at least. I, I was going to look on Disney Plus uh, yesterday to see if this lumberjack episode of Malcolm Middle exists. See, see who they found that, that's better than Greg. I, I, whoever it is, I mean, you could drop dead. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. This should have been Greg. <laughs> Jesus. Should, hashtag should have been Greg. Um, I've just Googled Malcolm in the Middle lumberjack and it just comes up with articles about the disaster. <laughs> so nah. <laughs> uh, I don't think there really was uh, an, ap- an episode with lumberjack. But it should have been. A lumberjack episode. Of that sounds I'd hilarious. I would love to rewatch Malcolm in the Middle one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I guess one of the other really harsh things, this is, um, I, I can't remember if this is the scene where Seth Rogen gets fired after, but uh, where Tommy's berating Lisa or the actress playing Lisa on set, uh, where <laughs> they're doing the sex scene and then you see she has like a, a pimple or something like that. It goes, somebody cover up this disgusting body. <laughs> I love where yeah, you call it a disgusting body. Yeah. <laughs> She's American woman. She should be perfect. Yeah. Uh, I think this is where, where Greg kind of loses it on Tommy here, but uh, I don't know if it's where you go for it. But uh, that's interesting about the, the turnover rate. Cause I mean, w- the only thing that we really know about this is that we had what Peter replaced or was Peter, the replacement uh, those two characters. Um, oh that, that yeah, should have been the same guy in the that. movie. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. That's not even, is that even mentioned in the movie? In this, design? you, you have like is. the one guy who says, "I play Peter" or something like that. Uh, mm. At the premiere, I think. Yeah, they don't even address the fact that like there are two actors playing essentially the same character here. Yeah, I yeah, I completely forgot about that. I also want to point out just on the beard too, that beard looks so fake. <laughs> like I don't know if that's <laughs> yeah. James Franco's intention to make that look fake, but the scene when you first see him with it, I'm like, holy crap, like that just looks like they've stuck it on. What was that Star Wars at Return of the Jedi? The famous uh the the Admiral guy in the rebellion, he's got that really fake beard and then like oh, even yeah, his, yeah. his action figure had a removable beard. Um <laughs> but it looked like that. Like it just it looked that bad. Um, the, the, I guess the really bad scene here, the, the falling out with, uh, Tommy and Greg would be after Seth Rogen's fired and Tommy takes over. I love that He takes over directing on his own movie, yeah. uh, but when they go to the, the location or whatever, and he, they just have the fight in front of the camera. I mean, I'm sure that Greg got frustrated with him. I, I doubt that there was a big, like this screams more fiction to me than fact where they have this big blow up and that the cameras are rolling and everything like that. But um, what I do find this interesting about this movie is that, like I said, this isn't so much a movie about Greg slowly realizes Tommy's crazy, but more so that he just, he admires the balls of Tommy and he sort of knew all along. Yeah. There's something unusual with this guy. Cause there's even that early scene with um, him and his girlfriend where he says, I got the the Stanislavski, the greatest acting coach. Like, but isn't he dead? No, he's very much alive. I met him. And it's like, right. Sure. Like even Greg there knows Tommy's not all there or, or he, you know, is clearly making some stuff up, but this movie, it doesn't, it doesn't have it where it would be so unbelievable. It would make Greg look stupid. If there was just this progression of, Ooh, something's wrong with Tommy. It, it literally just, I like that. It literally just comes down to you're costing me an acting role. And this is where I lose it with him. Like he knows that Tommy's messed up. He knows that Tommy is out of his mind, but he's like, but now you're actually costing me something. This is where the blow up comes, but still it's a great scene. Like, you don't have that many dramatic, dramatic scenes in this movie. I mean, it is an outright comedy. You couldn't make a movie about the making of the room without making an outright comedy. But mm. uh, the one scene that Dave and James Franco have here, the the breakup scene, I guess, of Tommy and Greg, uh, really good scene. Like I, I was watching this, and like, whoa, I, I didn't expect that in this movie. And again, I've seen this movie before. It's been several years, but uh, I probably probably the uh, highlight of the movie as far as Dave Franco's acting goes. Dave Franco's underrated. I mean, he he's one of these actors that he has like this cult following where there are people who literally believe Dave Franco is like the second coming. Like he, he is the next James Dean, you know, not, the, not James. Like he has like a rabid fan base, but it's like, it's such a small fan base. Like people, but whenever Dave Franco's in a movie, there's like this fan base that gets like super excited about Dave Franco, but like 
I don't know. I've seen him in the Now You See Me movies. I don't know if I've seen him anything else. So I, I didn't quite expect him to have a scene this dramatic. I'm literally looking at his filmography and I have not seen him in anything. Oh, you haven't uh, seen Now You See Me? He was in Superbad. Uh, no, I haven't seen Now You See Me. I can't remember him in Superbad. I saw Superbad like years ago. I could barely even remember it. Apparently there's a third Franco. There's a Tom Franco. Ah, uh, oh, hashtag make Tom Franco a thing. <laughs> Um, he's he's like the other Hemsworth. What's the other Hemsworth's in, name? Oh uh, yeah, that one. Uh, apparently he was. Apparently Tom Franco is in the Disaster Artist. Um. So yeah. Oh, his Does wife. He played the breast hep- cancer. His wife died of liver failure. That's sad. Um. <laughs> don't laugh at that. That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Tom Franco's wife is dead, and you're laughing. I wasn't laughing at that. I was laughing because I, I, I made the comment, did he play the breast cancer? And then you said she died of liver failure. I'm like, oh, that's awkward. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Franco. Um, I was going to say something. Peace. Yeah, rest in peace. At least she didn't get touched by James. Um, <laughs> maybe did she, she did. Maybe that's why she had liver failure. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Where's James touching her? His liver failure. <laughs> Let me touch right liver. up in there. Touches the liver. <laughs> That's what he's into. Um, it is a dramatic scene. Is this the same park that they actually use in the movie? Like, I feel like they it actually use It looks exactly the same, yeah. Yeah. And because isn't there a bit in the room where they're, like, tackling and wrestling on the ground anyway? So, like, do they keep mm-hmm. this in the film? Is that, like, what's implied? Because they're obviously filming this. Um, well, so... this, this would be, like, the outdoor football scene. They have the hallway football scene and the outdoor. That's right. So, yeah, so, I, so I don't he... remember that. Yeah, we're the experts on our fourth anniversary of The Room uh, that we clearly <laughs> actually remember the film. But, yeah, no, you're right. And I think it's, you know, like even what we're about to get at the the premiere as well, like when you've got Franco walking out and kind of, you know, playing that way as well. So, like, I kind of like that. And I'm actually reading here on another trivia page, apparently uh, Tommy Wiseau said that uh, only he believed only two people could ever play him in real life was James Franco and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, yeah, okay, I could see that. So, you know, would, he, yeah. would you see Johnny Depp as Tommy Could you see Johnny Depp as Tommy Wiseau? I, I, I definitely could see him doing it, but I think Johnny Depp would ruin it. That's no. <laughs> uh, uh, can we can we just again comment on the fact that everybody's like, oh, Johnny Depp was acquitted. He's a great actor again. It's like no, people hated him before this drama came out for a reason. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> he'll he'll chop his finger off for this role. Um, yeah, but I mean, Amber Heard sucks more. Come on. Like I mean, Amber Heard. What what the hell is oh, going yeah, on there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but just because somebody else sucks worse does not mean you don't suck. Uh, but that, like, well. I think that's the difference, though. Like, if we're if we're commenting James Franco versus Johnny Depp, I mean, Johnny Depp's issue is he's always going out looking for roles like this, but he does them so over the top and so annoying, where where it, it becomes so much about you know, I'm Johnny Depp, I'm going to steal the show, I'm going to be crazy, I'm going to be outlandish. And this is what I was saying I love about James Franco is that there's something grounded about his performance where he's not going any more over the top than he would. He's like, I'm going to play Tommy Wiseau the way he is, and I'm going to very subtly put things in there that make you sympathize with the guy, not even just the end of the movie, even just throughout, like just the way he responds to things, you know, the, the, the even when he is douchey Tommy, you know, you could see like, yeah, he he's probably a little bit hurting right now. Like James Franco does this with subtlety. It's hard to say you could do Tom Wise with subtlety. Whereas Johnny Depp would be doing this like Willy Wonka or Captain Jack Sparrow, which, you know, Hey, it works occasionally. Uh, but for the most part, it just becomes, this is the Johnny Depp show. Everybody look at me. I see that. Whereas James Franco, it's everybody. Let me touch you. That's basically. Exactly. Did James did really actually touch people? I feel didn't he just like try and hook up with a seventeen-year-old on Instagram or something like that? Like, yeah, I think there were a couple. Of them. And, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that like the charges were dismissed too. But like, yeah, accusations. One know, of the didn't. actresses on this movie, Charlene Yee, uh, claimed in April 2021 that after trying to quit the film over the allegations they were offered a bigger role by filmmakers, Yee viewed this as a bribe. Um, and then apparently accused Seth Rogen of enabling the behavior, and Seth Rogen a month later said that he would never work with James Franco again. So, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not trying to disparage the the, mm. the accusations against James Franco, but, um, 
Los Angeles Times, five women were accusing Franco of inappropriate sexually exploitive behavior during the period when Franco was serving as their teacher. One former student said that Franco would always make everybody think there were possible roles on the table if he, if we were to perform sexual acts or take off our shirts. Well, that's what we do on the Oz Network. I'm just like, Colin, take your shirt off. We can make this episode better. Not the sexual acts, though. Uh, in his project, another alleged that Franco held a sex scene class and removed students' vaginal guards. That's... that's <laughs> Okay. So, okay, he didn't touch them. He just did bad things with them. So it's not like he just walked around oh. and was like, hey, I'm James Franco. Put, <laughs> grab him by the Donald Trump phrase. Uh, but I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying anything well, better like, or worse. Let's, let's, but. Elf, elf in the room now. We've kind of joked about it up until now. But, like, just, just addressing this, James Franco, Kevin Spacey, I mean, it's – can you excuse what they've done? No. Um is there a reason why some of these people maybe shouldn't be hired? If, if, it's, if it comes down to like in the case of, you know, James Franco, where it's like he literally would be a danger on set if, if I'm checked. Yes, I understand not giving him more roles, but let, getting to the point where you want to cancel them. Like to me, this is the different, like everybody saying with Johnny Depp, oh, he shouldn't be canceled. And it's like, okay, so he can go back to making bad movies again. Great. Like, I'm not saying don't give the guy roles now that he's been acquitted, you know, to a certain extent been acquitted, uh, but his movies aren't good. To me, this is the difference with James Franco and Kevin Spacey. I'm not saying go out there and give them every other role, let them keep acting. If James Franco never acts again, if this stuff is true and never acts again, fine. But I don't want to get to the point where it's like you can't enjoy what they did beforehand as an actor, you know? And I think we talked about Kevin Spacey was the first one of this. And we mentioned that all the way back then, like you can't take away the usual suspects, you know, you can't take away everything that Kevin Spacey has done. That's still great. You're not going to stop watching the movies and stop appreciating what they did in those movies. I can watch it. If all that's true, I can still watch this or watch 127 hours or whatever else. Spider-Man that James Franco did. I mean, like he was fantastic. Johnny Depp. I don't care if it's false. He sucks. <laughs> you know? so that, that's it's the opposite with Johnny Depp. If Johnny Depp tomorrow, a meteorite was coming to earth and Johnny Depp got on his private jet, flew it into that meteorite and bounced it back to Saturn and save the world, you'd still be like, oh, but that guy's still a dick. Whereas it's like if oh, James... I, I don't even, not even he's a dick, he's just a bad actor. That's my problem. <laughs> and it's, it's like, I don't know, who's like your favourite? If Jennifer Garner tomorrow committed <laughs> mass genocide on innocent Burkina Faso <laughs> children and was sentenced to war crimes at The Hague and hung in a public execution, you'd still be like, oh, but that woman's still great. Uh, so no, well, what, that's what Colin's saying no, no. here. What I'm, no, what I'm actually getting at is Johnny Depp, who cares if he's not a dick in real life? I, I, I think it's clear he is a Everyone's dick. Everyone's a dick a... in real life. Can I just point that out? Tom Hanks, <laughs> probably a dick in real life. Will Smith, oh, like Will we Smith. saw some of the dickery come out of them yeah. just because they're public persona. Every person on this planet is a dick in real life, all right? Yeah. That is but... just human nature. We are all, Colin, the nicest host on this show, a dick. I've seen him throw chairs. I've seen him ignore <laughs> his family for hours on end because they want to, like, hang out with him, whatever. He's a dick, all right? But, like, just, just. Don't molest people. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's, <laughs> that's what it comes down. Just don't molest people. That's it. <laughs> that's it. You can do whatever you just, want. Just don't molest people. They would make their points much clearer on how did this get made. Let's just make that clear. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't need to do a four-hour episode. Just get into it. Okay, the rumors made, but just don't molest people. <laughs> but basically what I'm getting at is let's just use the hypothetical. Johnny Depp saves the planet great he's a great guy but his movies still suck i don't care like i'm not gonna go out and rewatch charlie and the chocolate factory or mordecai or any other atrocities that he's made as an actor over the last 20 years just because he saved the planet great you saved the planet i applaud you your movies still suck i'm not gonna see the next one jennifer garner you committed genocide against Burkina Faso. You know what? You are a terrible human being. Lock her up for life. But I'm going back and I'm rewatching Alias because I want to remember the good days. You know, <laughs> um, to me, James Franco is I'm going to remember the good days as an actor. But don't go giving him another role. Don't so go giving him this type of power again. Basically, the reason why Tom Hanks is like America's dad is he just gets all this trust and love and everything. And then, like, in 2027, when he just starts molesting people, then <laughs> it's fine because he did a good old – he served a good 70 years of being good. The last five of his life he can molest away. Like, go for it. Like, like Hitler had a good life until he was, like, 30-something. Then he was like, fuck it, I'm not waiting until I get to 60. 
kill all them Jews. That's basically what he did. Uh, like, that's what he did. All right? He got impatient. The rest oh. of us, we got to wait till we're older to create a good enough life before we can start molesting and killing an entire race of humans. Yeah, l- l- let's just make this clear. Tom Hanks, if you molest somebody, we condemn those actions, but we still love Saving Private Ryan and Apollo 13. Oh, <laughs> That's exactly. what it boils down to. <laughs> and if Brendan Fraser, like, he can molest, he can commit genocide, he can do whatever he wants, but he's still a beautiful man. Brendan Fra- yeah, Brendan Fraser and Rene Russo, they can get away oh, with anything. Do Kim whatever Sutherland, you want. <laughs> Kevin Bacon, you do whatever the hell you want. Meryl Streep, you do whatever. All right? <laughs> You do everything. Form a uh, gang. And, and do everything and everyone. Whatever you, whichever you Join choose. Join Al-Qaeda. Join ISIS. Like, Join our Patreon. Yeah, like <laughs> Off the confused. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the Oz Network, Patreon. All in the same bubble of disparity. Like, no. We're on, the, we're on like, the FBI's most wanted list. <laughs> Uh, now the, the end of the movie. So th- there really isn't a makeup scene between Tommy and Greg. That's what I love. They just sort of like skip forward from that. You don't even see the end of the making of the movie. And then it's like what eight months later, and Greg receives the invitation to uh, the premiere, and everybody receives the invitation to the premiere, and we get the premiere of the movie. And this is where you kind of get the makeup scene between Tommy and Greg. He goes as his date, basically. <laughs> uh, and typical Tommy Wise. So everybody's at the premiere. It's actually packed. All the people making the movie, Seth Rogen's even even there, and they drive up. He goes, "No, keep driving." And it's like, "Well, it's like this is my movie. We need to make big entries. Not enough people there yet." And then even <laughs> I think Seth Rogen's like, "Why does he keep driving? Nothing's going to surprise me about this guy." Um, the premiere, you, know, you got all the people reunited there. Now this, I'm sure Tommy Wiseau did a premiere. Uh, now. What to me is the most fictional about this movie is the way they kind of rush the end. Now I understand why they rush this ending, but if I have one complaint about this movie, it still feels like you're trying to sum up the last, at the time this movie was made, let's say 15 years worth of the room and its reputation into one night, but you're going to resolve it all before the movie's over. Like I get where they're going with that, but it, it, it definitely, I guarantee did not happen like this. It so yeah, the movie plays out. People are like, awkward weird there's even people gasping i love where tommy he's got a smile on his face where his like nude scene appears or whatever and he's like haha and then everybody's like oh and then even he's looking around like oh that's not the reaction i expected uh as things start to play out though like i love the uh hi doggy scene where it's like oh hi johnny i didn't recognize you and i think it's seth rogan who has the line it's like well, like, who doesn't recognize that guy? <laughs> Another thing we point out, uh, probably before we saw this movie, uh, and people just start laughing at this movie. Uh, Tommy gets upset. He leaves, and he's like, oh, I made a mistake. It's a terrible movie. And Greg basically just trying to, like, you know, build him back up again. It's like, hey, listen, f- whether it's intentional or unintentional, these people are loving this movie. Like, and, and this is sort of the 15 years reputation of the room summed up in one scene, which is done very well, but it still to me feels like a little bit weird. Like, yeah, this all happened at the same time. You get a standing ovation at the end, him coming out. It's like, Hey, I'm glad you enjoyed my movie. Um, but, but still, I mean, it's, it's a nice scene and it's probably the only time we get to see vulnerable Tommy. Why? So, you know, I, I can imagine Tommy probably still has issues with this movie, but I'll take it from a trusted source, Greg, you know, who wrote the book that, at some point over the last 15 years, this is probably the way it went, where he's like, people hate my movie. And it's like, no, no, people are actually enjoying it for whatever the reasons. We are living examples of why this ending makes sense, whether it yeah. happened or not, why it makes sense. You see this movie that I, we probably mentioned our initial reactions every single year we do this. For, you watch, we watch this movie. We're like, what is this movie? Oh, this is horrible. And then by the end of it, you're like, I want to go and rewatch it now. And I, I think I mentioned, I, I, I just sort of had this on the background and Jamie's like, this literally looks like the worst movie has ever been made. And I'm like, you got to watch it with me. Seriously. And she's like, no, I'm not refusing to watch this. And then I started putting on YouTube clips of this after watching the movie. And by the end of the night, she was quoting every line of this movie. And I asked her cause Greg has um, a screening. I think it's the third year they've tried to schedule it here in Winnipeg. Uh, so, but it, it's finally, I guess, finally happening until Are you COVID going? shuts Are you it down going? again. I'm hoping to go. I'm trying to talk Jamie into it. Uh, but I asked her yesterday. I'm like, so do you want to go see it? She says, yeah, maybe. Like, this is the woman who, when she first saw this movie, was like, I, I can't even watch this. This is so bad. And now, five years later, four years later, she's like, yeah, I might pay 30 bucks to go watch this movie with a group of people. Like, please, that's please what get him this on the show. Is. 
You need to contact oh. the publicist to get him on for this. This is perfect timing, Colin. We can that would be my. That would be my. My main reason for going would be <laughs> trying Next to get him on the recap, show. Next year's recap. I mean, just quickly. So, I mean, according to this article, so um, apparently many people walked out of the premiere within five <laughs> minutes uh, and it took the room uh, many years to become a cult classic. But I think, yeah, I think what this scene is trying to do is to encompass the fandom of this film in the space of a five-minute scene. Again, a bit of creative mm. licensing. It's... It's the cool running scene, you know, yeah. all the things that we talked about, how they, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's a movie. Um, but, yeah, I think it works well, and you're right, like he's, like, Tommy Wiseau is a is a mystery, but he's, like, I'm sure in real life he's just a regular guy and he just puts on a bit of a, like, we know a lot of people All American. Like yeah, like, I mean, let's think of, I don't know, Philip Shepard in the Survivor world. Um, remember from Survivor, but Survivor Oz was cancelled. Max Dawson knows that for a fact, so it's all good. Um <laughs> Max Dawson is the Tommy Wiseau of Survivor, except people actually like Tommy Wiseau, and Tommy Wiseau actually has a bit of talent in him, whereas Max Dawson sucks. So that's the difference between the two of them. But, uh, yeah, I like the way this ends. Hang on, sorry, I was just going to tick that off. Max Dawson uh, insult done for the episode. Um, but, yeah, I like, I do like the fact that they kind of encompass this and show it, and like any good biopic, they sort of have the little credits at the end. But, I mean, as you said, like, this is the the legacy of this film it's it's like a a really bad cheesy pop song one hit wonder that mm-hmm. at the time is huge well okay this movie wasn't huge a bad example but like as in it it gets loved even though years later people are like this is a terrible song but like mm. people still like it because it's weirdly good and like this is then- top thumping by chumba wumba is what you're saying <laughs> exactly perfect example <laughs> Uh, and then, like, I'm sure Chumbawamba embraced the fact that... I mean, I went and saw Aha, for God's sakes. And, like, I mean, even... I, I went and visited my auntie the other day. And she was like, oh, your dad told me that you went and saw Aha. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, I only know Take On Me. But, like, well, they need a Bond song as well. Oh, I didn't know that. So, like, again, literally anyone only knows him for one song. So, like, Tommy Wiseau, and he embraces this. Like, he, you know, go to his website. I bought the T-shirt, which I don't have on me anymore. But, like, you know, and he sent me an autograph card and... You know, Greg, like, doing the thing. I still swear to this day, the the assistant that I dealt with on the Room website was actually Tommy Wiseau. Like, I swear oh, it, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> like, was like, well, hi, Ben. <laughs> like, just the way the email exchange work, I'm like, this is so Tommy Wiseau, like, under, like, <laughs> Ralph Jenkins. Like, it's just, it's totally him. But, um, yeah, like, it, and I think that this movie does a good job in kind of selling that and going alongside it. And, I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm Tommy Wiseau, like, yeah, you'd, you'd, I don't doubt he made this film for serious purposes, thinking this would yeah. be a masterpiece. And I, I do not doubt that for a fact. And I'm sure he got upset with the reception of this film and everything. But then when it started to take a legacy like this, like he embraced it and he still, embraced it. and that's yeah. what I can appreciate about like, like Roger Moore as James Bond, like, like he embraced that kind of kookiness that he brought to the role. And some people hate that and do not like it to this day, but Everybody kind of, you know, embraces Roger as a Bond fan who likes that type of films. Noah's a classic example of that. So there's a there's a point out there where you can embrace the the silliness and the kookiness or something that is bad as long as you can sort of go along with it. I mean, George Clooney, we talked about that in Batman and Robin. He comes back and goes, yeah, I was shit as Batman. That was a shit film. <laughs> but, like, it, while he might not have anything to do with it and go out and celebrating it, like, we can go, man, like, Batman and Robin. It's shit, but we love it because it's so batshit crazy. It's fun. Anyway... I think that this movie does a good job of, of putting together what The Room is and what The Room has become as a movie. I think this is one of the reasons why The Room has become such a phenomenon is because of Tommy Wiseau and the way that he has embraced it. Because if you take other bad movies, if, if you look at examples of bad movies where people acknowledge it later on, you can think of Catwoman, right? Halle Berry accepting the Razzie in person. But it's not like she's going out there saying like, everybody, I'm glad that you're enjoying Catwoman for what it is. I don't know whether this would be the bad movie that people, you know, still pay $30 to see a screening of in person, just to be around a crowd of people mocking this movie. If it wasn't for the people behind the movie, not trying to sugarcoat it, you know? And, and I think one of the funniest things is that Tommy Wiseau still to this day, he never acknowledges whether he intentionally made a bad movie. I mean, we know he didn't, right? He, he thought he was making, because they even have that, 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 uh, the, the write-up at the end of the movie where it says he paid to have it in a theater for an entire week just so he could qualify for the Oscars. So he thought 
he, oh, maybe somebody's going to like this movie. But uh, but now knowing, hey, this movie is a disaster, he has fully embraced that more than I think anybody's ever made a bad movie before. I mean, the closest thing you could really compare the disaster artist to would be the movie Ed Wood, which, by the way, had Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was good in Ed Wood, by the way. Uh, but Ed Wood is a movie about the worst filmmaker ever made. And it's very similar to this. It's like all these things, if you've seen an Ed Wood movie, you're like, like, how did that get kept in the movie? And then they'll kind of make jokes about it. And you'll see, well, why did that get kept in the movie? But like Ed Wood was basically dead by the time the Ed Wood phenomenon started. Uh, I don't think that there's ever been another example of a bad movie where somebody says, I'm willing to still, and he doesn't need the money. Let's be honest, Tommy Wiseau clearly does not need the money. So it's not like he's just, I can, I can milk this cow for all it's worth. Uh, he, he just has fun at the fact. He's like, I made something that people enjoy even if it's for the wrong reasons they enjoy it so i will sell t-shirts i will sell bobbleheads i will sell autograph photos myself yeah i will i will email people as rank ralph jenkins to keep up the mystique <laughs> uh he does all that and i don't think any and even greg like you would think somebody making a book like the disaster artist and then making a movie like the disaster artist that these two guys would have had a falling out over this it's like you're making a fool of me greg it's not fair uh but like these guys, they just know this movie is what it is. Let's let people enjoy it even more. And I think that's that's why we're four years in a row over the last four years still talking about this movie. The thing that I think is funny is I think that Tommy Wiseau said of the book that it was something like only 30% accurate, but that said the movie was like 99.9% accurate. <laughs> Yet apparently from all accounts, the movie is pretty much dead on accurate of the book. <laughs> so... Yep, that just kind of lives up to Toby Wiseau, doesn't it? It's yeah. like the the movie that is basically the book is more realistic than the maybe maybe Tommy Wiseau's me. He doesn't read like he's just like oh yeah. I flick through a book. It, it, yeah, only thirty three. Don't know where that accent. I'm Jamaican. Hey man, I need the book. Hey, what are you talking about? Kiss my lucky egg. Um, but yeah, I mean, I again, I can't wait for Disaster Artist to kill Phil because that's gonna really. <laughs> get into the meat and bones of what an epic production that was uh i don't know if you actually uh, stuck around either time you've seen this movie for the the post-credit scene uh, of yeah. tommy meets yeah. zombie yeah 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 which I, that's where my opening line comes from it's like uh nice tommy with a capital go away uh but <laughs> just some of the things in there where it's like uh i recognize your accent are you from new orleans yes i am from new orleans <laughs> real tommy why so meeting james franco it's hilarious um uh, we, we have to officially rank this one uh or rate it i'm gonna uh, buy this <laughs> I, I buy it as well i think that's a pretty solid one for both i mean we bought the room i mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest this is a better movie than the room uh so <laughs> we kind of have to buy this right yeah uh but but i think it's a great movie uh, and it's it, it's i don't think this is something that should have gotten oscar nominations or anything <laughs> it's, it's fun one. Which one did it get? Uh, original uh, adapted screenplay. Oh, screenplay. That's right. I still better because James Franco won Golden Globe for uh, comedy, uh, but didn't get nominated. And he inappropriately touched his globe and they took it away. <laughs> he did. Uh, yeah. Best adapted screenplay. It got nominated for. Um, and I would wow. assume that it lost. That's really to- got to hurt Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> it, uh, it lost to Call Me By Your Name. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, what's his face in that movie turned out to be a cannibal, didn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's his no, name? Everybody's cancelled. Army Hammer. Army Hammer. That's what happened to Army Hammer. Where is he? What's happened to him? Him um, and James Franco are mounting their comeback film. Oh, don't say mounting and come on back. That's a bit rude. <laughs> um, but uh, it won a Critics' Choice Movie Award for James Franco. Uh, it won a Detroit Film Critics Society Award. That's the one you want to win. Um, it got third place in the Golden Tomato Awards. It's pretty good. Um, and yeah, uh, he got Best Actor, Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes. He beat out the esteemed, uh, actors that of course are those people. This is how we're going to make it to an hour. <laughs> um, we're about to cross it. Uh, before I get to that, it, um, I, I'm looking at the Oscars still. There we go. That's why I'm wondering where's the comedy category. <laughs> uh, James Franco beat out Steve Carell for Battle of the Sexes, Ansel Elgort for Baby Driver. Oh, that's sad. Hugh Jackman for The Greatest Showman. Oh, that's sad. And Daniel Kulawu, he's uh, Get Out. 
And uh, it was nominated for Best Musical or Comedy, but lost out to Lady Bird. Also nominated that year was Get Out, The Greatest Showman, and I, Tonya. Huh. That was the first year we did Oscars, showman. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh, the I was going to say, you don't like the, the Greatest Showman. I, I don't know. I, I like the soundtrack. I don't, Great I don't soundtrack. get the movie. Good movie. Now, that uh, guy was a dick in real life. Not Hugh Jackman. Hugh that guy's a saint. The guy Hugh Jackman yeah. played. <laughs> did you know? Hugh did you recognize Zac Efron in that movie, Colin? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he was Zendaya. a monster. Uh, uh, Zendaya could save the world tomorrow and I wouldn't give two shits. <laughs> I'd be like, let the fucking meteorite hit the earth. I don't want you saving me, Zendaya. Go away. <laughs> oh, time's most influential person. Fuck off. Oh, I, you know, I, every time I go to see a movie, they have a commercial she's as, where she's selling a bottle of water. And all it is is her drinking a bottle of water. And I'm like, just end this commercial already. Ladies and gentlemen, Time Magazine's most influential person for selling a bottle of water. Drinking water. Fuck yeah. That woman. Oh. Tommy Wiseau at least threw the bottle of water. Give it to him. If, if, if Zendaya is the most influential person on the planet, then Max Dawson is the greatest survivor player to ever hear exist. It's that simple. Load of cocky bullshit. <laughs> uh, we're going to come back next year to do this, but uh, we, we throw around ideas. I mean, I think an interview would be our holy grail <laughs> if we could get that. <laughs> we, we can get, like, who can we get on the show? All these other big names. We get Fran fucking Drescher, but we can't get, like, Greg Sestero or the woman who plays the breast cancer person. So we, very guarded, the room cast. We have interviewed the most elite Olympic athletes. We've interviewed... Bond villains, Star Wars villains. We've we've interviewed directors. We've interviewed Fran Drescher. We can't get the breast cancer lady from the room. There's something wrong with us. Yeah, I don't know. We're just we're losing. We're we're not. How did this get made? Clearly, you <laughs> exactly. <know. laughs> uh, but uh, here's it. Here's an idea. I don't know if we've even talked about this before, but uh, best friends, the follow up project that Tommy and uh, Greg yeah. did together. Yeah, we should. That's do that. something that we should do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I was one... thinking. I knew there was one that they did afterwards, but um, mm-hmm. I've never seen it. But yeah, no, we can. It, do that. It, it, I looked it up yesterday. I'm like, this has like 40 percent of Rotten Tomatoes for Tommy Wise. So that's like, you might as well <laughs> just give him the Oscar now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is because that's is that fairly recent or is that older than it was, I think? Because I think that I think that we were talking about the first year when we did the room. We're mm. like, these two guys are making another project together. So I think it came out after the first time we covered the room. Yeah, um, which because didn't Greg Sestro go on to be in a few other non things like this? So um, Best Friends came out in 2018, uh, and then he also so Tommy Wiseau didn't actually direct that, but um, apparently oh there's a new movie being uh, directed, produced, written, that. and acted by Tommy Wiseau called Big Shark. <laughs> uh, and I'll read the premise here. Three firefighters, Georgie, Tim, and Patrick, must save New Orleans from a killer shark. Oh! <laughs> New Orleans! And a giant Everybody's going to have the accent. Greg Sestro's in it. Um, it is supposedly... I mean, typical Tommy Wiseau has literally just said, it will be released soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to premiere in September 2019, but was delayed. And in July 21st, 2020, Wiseau said the film would be released soon. <laughs> he, he's waiting for the masses to return to theater. That's why we're going to get Tommy Wiseau. Hi, I'm Tommy. Welcome to the movies. A lot of people work very hard to bring you this movie. I literally love the poster. It is a picture of a giant shark with blood on its teeth. And you've got <laughs> Greg Sestro, Tommy Wiseau, and the other guy just literally going like this, like pointing at something. <laughs> It's got directed by Tommy Wiseau. The words directed by Tommy Wiseau are bigger than Big Shark. <laughs> and it's got the tagline of, can New Orleans survive? Is that a bit on the nose? <laughs> um, Hurricane Katrina is less than 20 years old, Tommy. It's not funny yet. It's not AIDS. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Uh, we're going to cover Whenever that comes out, we won't even wait for a room. Oh, we'll cover it. Yes. Uh, we're in the middle better of than the Meg. It'll month. be better than the Meg, right? It will not be the worst big <laughs> no, shark we ever down. made. Oh, I wanted to mention this last comment here. So I don't know if I, we will end up going to see the the room with Greg, uh, but uh, but it, what I found was hilarious is that it's actually being promoted as the 20th anniversary screening of the room on the 19th anniversary, which is appropriate. For a very the room thing. Next year, next year is our 20th anniversary, so we're gonna have yeah. to do something big. 
for our 20th anniversary and our fifth anniversary next year. We so, will do um, Tommy Wiseau. We will, uh, in turn, and we'll be canceled afterwards. Uh, but uh, we'll definitely do that. But we're right now in the middle of a proper anniversary month, and uh, we have uh, just dropped our episode about a boy, I'm assuming, uh, or no, has signs, signs come out We've yet? Got Panic signs. Room is out this week. Signs was last week. Panic Room this week. So uh, get pumped. The day of release, you can listen to our latest Breaking Bad episode uh, dropped today. Blood Money, we're in the final few episodes of that, and 24 as well. And Lost is coming back in a couple of weeks, hopefully. We think. Well, we've banked at least four episodes at the time of recording this, so surely we're going to be finishing it soon. So come on, Noah. Stop going on holidays in Korea. Yeah. The, the real reason for the absence is Amber heard since some accusations about Noah, but he has been acquitted. Um, <laughs> Let's be honest. People would actually side with Amber Heard on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for all of our exciting things coming up and then, uh, start counting down the days to the 20th anniversary of the room next year, where I'm sure we'll promote as the 21st anniversary, just to <laughs> keep in line with the, the 20th anniversary this year. Um, thank you for joining us. My name is Colin and don't look at robot crab. He's oh, shy. fuck yes. you. And my name is Ben and don't look at robot crab. He's shy. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)